0: Go to CloudOptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's CloudOptimizer.com. I probably, to some extent, didn't necessarily have to be out till two. I maybe could have left a little earlier and handled
1: the tab differently. Yeah, you're, you're, you're taking one for the team, right? You, <laughs> right. see it through. And- Welcome to Game Dev Advice. The Game Developers Podcast, your place for resources and in depth conversations with other game development professionals. I'm your host, John J.P. Podlasic. I've worked at 10 different game companies, starting back in 1989 with the TurboGrafx 16. Over the decades, I've developed games like Mortal Kombat, Avengers Initiative, Beavis and Butthead, and numerous others. I now work for a startup called Level X. But this podcast isn't about me. It's about you and the game development community. So if you have questions or ideas, give a call 224-484-7733 or go to the gamedevadvice.com website. So let's kick things off with the new Game Dev Advice. Hey, John, how are you doing tonight? Doing great. So tell me about your current role right now. You're kind of in a unique space in the industry. Yeah,
0: so I've been doing... PR, media relations, public relations for video games for it's almost like twenty three years now. Uh, it's been a long wow. time, and so currently my my title is PR Lebowski uh, at Wanekock Communications. <laughs> um, it's te- I'm technically vice president, but we all do we do this thing where everyone gives out business cards at trade shows and what's an account Mm -hmm. executive or an account director who cares about that. So like my colleague, Jason is PR guy. I'm PR Lebowski. We have PR dude. And at the very least it gets people to maybe remember you or just notice it or, you know, strike up a conversation, especially about big Lebowski. I'm totally fine (laughs) with that.
1: I've not heard that one before and I like it. Uh, (laughs) Yeah.
0: And so I run our games practice. We're, we're a small agency based in LA. We've got about 10 people. um, Mm -hmm. And I live in San Diego. I work from home. And I run our games practice and we're mostly games at this point. I think we're like 80% of our accounts are games. Uh, wow. and we do mobile games, console games, VR games, uh, mm-hmm. sort of a lot of, you know, different things. And it can range from, you know, even AAA games last year. Um, we did the PR for control to, okay. uh, we do, we work with Tencent in China on PUBG mobile. Uh, but mm-hmm. then also it, it, Goes down to some companies that have like retail distribution in brick and mortar stores that are, you know, that oh, work with their developers. Yeah, or smaller games too. And so it, what we do is a lot, what we're doing right now is a lot of different types of games that touch almost every part of the industry.
1: So there's a lot of diversity, you know, and that's very cool. You did PR for Moss too, right? The VR game?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we did PR for Moss um, with PolyArk. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's an interesting game because that's a, that's one of the games that I've really, over the past, one of the most recent games that I, we've really enjoyed working on because those guys at Polyarc, you know, they all have a lot of industry experience and AAA experience and sort of have seen how things work on a bigger scale and then are trying to bring that to the smaller scale with this really focused idea of the types of games they want to make. And so one thing I've kind of learned throughout my career is some people just kind of get it about PR and then others, we sort of have to explain it to a little bit. And so sometimes when you run into a client that just sort of gets it, uh, it's a little bit, it makes our job a little bit easier and i guess hopefully you know by talking to you or maybe answering some questions we can help more people kind of get it and understand how pr can really play a key role in any game release
1: no and, and that's great and, and i'd share with you earlier that i hear a lot of people that reach out to the show at the email address info at gamedevadvice.com just kind of asking like hey i've got this great indie game i'm finishing up you know how do i get pr for it and things and um, how do i spread the word you know because the barriers of entry are very low, but you know there's also a very high signal to noise ratio. So like, how do you make your game stand out? And it's tough out there now, right? Just because there are so many games and there's uh, a lot of noise. So you need professionals to help you with that.
0: Yeah, definitely. And we get those kind of inquiries too. And people that maybe think that, oh, the game's live on Steam now. So all right, world, buy the game. And, and you really do need to tap into a little more than that. And then, you know, a lot of people are good writers and they can put together a nice press release that'll maybe get some attention. But a lot of folks, you know, that maybe if writing isn't what they're best at, then they don't know what exactly to put in a press release or a media alert, or even, you know, Mm -hmm. more importantly, who to send it to or kind of how to send it. And so, you know, there's a lot of levels and, you know, it's, I'm not going to say that it's difficult or hard, but there's definitely a skill to it.
1: Yeah. There's expertise and there's a network. And if your passion and skills are, you know, making games, then, Maybe that's not that's not your wheelhouse, so you find people that can help you do that.
0: And you know? I, and we see a lot of smaller people, and I, and I'm sure you come across it too, that are already mm-hmm. wearing like six or seven different hats in the development of a right. game, trying to do everything. And so just adding PR onto it, I mean, it's it, it's a full time job at, at a lot of studios, and you know even smaller games to higher agencies. Like it really is a full time job.
1: Yeah, like back at Midway, like what was when we worked together at Midway, there was. Uh, Three or four people? Yeah. Right? We
0: we had I probably a five person PR team at Midway. There were some in Chicago and San right. Diego. Uh, and then, you know, in different relationships with third party development. And it's definitely a key part of a marketing department.
1: So you said you're working from home and people are in LA. Like how's everybody dealing with COVID right now and um, you know, those challenges and You know, we've been able
0: to adjust pretty well. I think by our nature, PR is where we really just sort of need a a keyboard and a computer and an internet connection and Mm -hmm. to be in touch with folks and able to access networks for, you know, our media lists and things like that. Uh, And so we already had kind of, I'm working from home. We already had kind of have a setup where every Friday people could work from home if they wanted to. Uh, And so I think that the transition for us wasn't quite as difficult because from all levels, even down to our interns, they're used to working at home a little bit, which, and now I think we're seeing for PR, our company's able to handle it, but the industry uh, is definitely maintaining interest. We've got new business leads still coming in, uh, Mm -hmm. even more so than normally at this time of year.
1: You guys are steady and, and growing so that's that's nice to hear.
0: Well I mean yeah just to add though but the cancellation of GDC the cancellation of E3 the cancellation yeah. of the yeah. Paxes I mean that's a big hit for PR. I mean not only yeah. on our budgets but just for an opportunity those those events are such great opportunities for games and especially for indie developers to go yep. to to be able to meet a lot of different people at the same time and so while we're coming up with other ways to kind of keep people posted and there's mm. there's starting to be more and more virtual events you know losing that definitely was a hit to our business but i think it also is a hit to the ability for some smaller indie games to get their games, not only in front of the public, but also in front of media and influencers.
1: Yeah, no, that's a great point. Yeah, all all those shows, yeah, that was huge. So 23 years, like take me back, like how did you get in in this business? What was your first role? How'd you get started?
0: So when I moved, I grew up in St. Louis, Uh, I grew up in the Midwest, I went to Missouri, and I wanted to move, you know, get to the coast. I moved out to LA, and I got an internship at a PR agency uh, based on having a friend that I knew from college that worked there, and mm. they ended up having video game accounts. And I had, you know, grown up playing video games in college. Had played like Sega NHL '94 and you know mm. all the Sega Genesis games in college. And so right. it was N64 and PlayStation era, and there were era, and there was this product called. Uh, the glove from Reality Quest. And what it was, was a one-handed controller for either the N64 or PlayStation that you could put on your hand, strap around it. And then the Uh buttons were at your fingers and you kind of moved your wrist up, down, left, right. as like the joystick. Uh, Mm. And so that was the first project I worked on. And then we Mm. got SNK as a client, which is like Neo Geo. And and SNK was doing the Neo Geo Pocket and then the Neo Geo Pocket Color. So I just went Mm. all in on that and I was able to lead the, Outreach for that, which ended up getting me a lot of great contacts in the late '90s with, you know, folks at the magazines. IGN was just starting up uh, mm-hmm. as a website, and so we did a really big PR push for Neo Geo Pocket and Neo Geo Pocket Color. Yeah. Uh, after that, then I went to kind of the bigger, bigger world, and I went to a bigger agency and worked with Nintendo, and we worked mm-hmm. on Pokemon. I was there; we were there for the launch of GameCube and Game Boy Advance, and that was mm-hmm. really fun. That was some of the best. Most exciting, if you will. I know that sounds cheesy, but I'm PR yeah, no, and like sure. there's the reason I'm in PR because I actually like it. Um, mm-hmm. Really fun projects at Nintendo. From there, moved to Seattle, worked with uh, Edelman with Microsoft uh, at the time. We were just yeah. getting ready to come out with Xbox 360. Worked on the PC games up there as well, uh, and kind of went all over the place. And then after that, went to Midway, and Midway was really great experience in house. It's where. Turns out, I met you, and it's funny because I actually didn't even realize that that you were necessarily doing this until you know yeah. I was pitching you for some other clients, and then we you helped put together like, hey, it's me, JP. So right, pretty I like, awesome. I know
1: that guy. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: and Close. so Midway was really great. We were I was in San Diego, and most of the marketing part was in Chicago, mm-hmm. and we you know did a, a number of things until you know the demise of Midway.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, After that, I actually started an editorial site. I kind of wanted to get out of PR and try my hand at the editorial site. And I started a Mm family-friendly website. And, you know, we did a lot of cool things. And I wrote a couple books about games for families and and internet safety and kind of those angles. I really enjoyed it, but, you know, there's no money in it. And tried to sort of support the family or at least do my part of contributing to our family. And it just wasn't really happening. And so I got back Mm -hmm. into PR. We lived in San Diego because I had moved here for Midway in 2013. I, I started again working remotely contract basis for where I am now with my colleague, Jason Wanacott. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're in San Diego. It's no longer in-house with the big boys, but in some, to some extent, you know, we have to work harder at what we're doing uh, because we're not just picking up the phone and saying, hey, you want to hear about the new Pokemon game? Instead, we're having to really pitch and come up with good angles and really do the right targets and everything. And so it's been a really fun last seven years and I'm really glad to be back on this side of the industry.
1: No, that's cool. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm trying to remember that uh, we did that one consumer press tour uh, from Midway in New York it was a yeah.
0: gamers' day. It was a gamers' thing in New York. We rented out uh, kind of it. You took like an like elevator a- up to the loft. Yeah, yeah. It
1: was a loft, and, and uh, Mark Rain was there because it yep. was publishing Unreal 4 or, or Unreal Tournament or something like that. It was yeah very weird, um, w- interesting, fun day or two there. And yeah, in New York, I think it was 04, because I was there for the consumer side doing the yeah. PR, and Ed, Ed was doing the enthusiast. So what do you wish you would know when you'd started? Like, you know, when you're back 23 years ago and and you're just getting your foot in the door? Uh...
0: Well, I, I do wish that I would have maybe learned the marketing side a little bit more or jumped into some more marketing responsibilities early on. And I know mm-hmm. at Midway, uh, some of our colleagues there had the opportunity to do that. Uh, but I always was just so firmly entrenched in PR. But I think as sort of time evolved, uh, and in what, and even nowadays with what clients are asking us now, and that's, I mean, 23 yep. years, and as you know, in game development and also in PR, I mean, things have changed dramatically Radically. since yeah. like when right. things start. And the, And the types of work or advice that people ask from PR now, I do think that had I served in a little bit of a marketing role even more of a support marketing role with some mm-hmm. of the outreach to advertisers or some of the different activations uh mm-hmm. might have helped me a little more as my career went on not that necessarily i feel like i'm struggling but i do think that you know mm-hmm. knowing a little bit of marketing can help uh it, as i was starting out in pr instead of just being specialized in pr
1: yeah i know that makes sense you know with with that experience and for that listener out there that um works at a smaller studio or has a game or, um, you know, just looking at your exposure for a game, like what advice can you give them for around PR and marketing and spread the word about your game?
0: One of the first things that we always sort of look for is what's the story? What's the angle that might get somebody interested in the game? Is there any relevant Mm -hmm. previous experience or even interesting previous experience that some of the developers had or that Mm -hmm. maybe went into the inspiration for the game or the meaning of the way people worked on the game, the tools that they used? You know, what is it that we can maybe have to work with to make it stand out and putting some thought into that. And then even just before you start just drafting a press release, really looking at your messaging, you know, what do you, what are you trying to say to different people that can really help focus your communication? And, and you kind of see it, I think, even on you know, Steam, store, Steam descriptions, right? That yeah. you really need to sort of focus And what are you doing and why are you trying to say this? But you also, I don't think want to sound overly marketing speak and do a million exclamation points after every sentence. <laughs> right.
1: Uh, yeah. And yeah.
0: so uh, I think you really need to think about how you're positioning the game. And then it really does help to, you know, have relationships or know who to talk to. Uh, a lot mm. of times you can suss out, you know, targets and maybe who you want to contact, but one of the things just for being around so long is we've got quite a database of contacts that we're able to kind of tap into if we ever need to do anything beyond just the one-on-one pitching that we can you know, send someone an email or send mm-hmm. someone and, and get a response because, hey, I just need to run something by you real quick. But we also can help get things pretty wide as well. And sometimes that's pretty key. At the very least, it helps with SEO to
1: get picked up on smaller sites. Right. And um, yeah, having that network, having that deep Rolodex that you can get people's attention with um, and, and people can work with you guys and use that as leverage to then get more exposure for the games. Because, you know, a- another route is you know, user acquisition and that, um, that that's getting so, so expensive. Um, oh, yeah. On mobile side, it's just, it's just going crazy. So you have to have crazy deep pockets for that. So you, you, you need to look at it multi-dimensionally and, and like look for other options other than just, I'm just going to try throwing a little UA money and see if I can get people to play it. Because unless you get the deep pockets, it, it, you're not going to make a dent and um, you need Well, there's some, an interesting yeah. thing
0: that this sort of UA model, like with the rise of apps and everything kind of brought to everything. And that was being really metrics driven. And certainly we understand as a indie developer that you really are watching every dollar you have to spend. And you Mm -hmm. really want to see what your ROI is on everything that you spend. And so what user acquisition and all of the the behind-the-scenes stats have sort of trained people to think about is concrete ROI. And to some extent, what's my guarantee? I want to guarantee that this money I spend is going to get me X, Y, and Z. And a Mm -hmm. really difficult thing for people to grasp about PR, and it's been like this as long as I've been in it, is that we can give some goals and some KPIs and some targets for what we should be able to get, but there are Mm -hmm. no guarantees. Nothing is guaranteed. And Mm -hmm. it's also hard to necessarily measure what the impact is of either a hit on IGN versus an in-depth profile on MMO huts or a video from an influencer. And Uh, sometimes things that you might think are smaller might have more impact just because IGN posts the trailer doesn't necessarily mean it's going to translate into what maybe another hit that had more relevance and a more focused audience uh, that's interested in your type of game can happen. Uh, And so it's this, but there is just this really vague thing that we run into that. It, it, we can't sit here and say, okay, a million people are going to read this news when we put it out. Because even when a website posts things, we don't know how many people actually read it.
1: Yeah. You, you, you just have to look at um, what their general audiences are and, and how big they are. And maybe there's some ballpark numbers, but yeah, you can't make any guarantees.
0: Oh, so, for sure. And yeah, and we, and we give estimates and all those types of things, but there is a mindset with a lot of independent developers and, you know, and people are various spaces on the spectrum, but there is a mindset mm-hmm. where people really want to know what exactly are you gonna get me for this money?
1: Right, yeah. What's we can tell you the out? work
0: we're gonna do, but we can't guarantee the results. And that's a really hard thing for people
1: to wrap their heads around. Yeah, but, but then you also talk about uh, previous projects and the types you know, of successes you've had with other ones, and this is the kind of plans or just the kind of things we did for them. Oh,
0: absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we can map out exactly what our strategy is and everything, but right. at the end of
1: the day, there's no guarantee. Yeah, because it, it is. There's just. Gosh, I sound negative either. there. I'm not <laughs> trying
0: to sound negative. <laughs> but, <Right. laughs> sorry about yeah, that. I'm not right. trying to it. But it's being realistic.
1: So yeah, I, I mean, you know, we're recording this on uh, the 27th, and like, you know, The Last of Us. Uh, it was Last of Us 2. Yeah, here we go. Yeah, we're recording this on the 27th, and, right? The Last of Us 2. All of a sudden, there's all this. Uh, brouhaha going on right. about um, something got leaked and now the the date got uh, pushed out for when it's going to be out. And, you know, if you had timed all this stuff with your marketing around today, the 27th, and then this hit, you know, it, it came out of left field and, yeah. and all of a sudden that was going to take all the air out of the room because all of a sudden this is top of mind for everybody in the gaming press. You just don't know right and this could happen at any point so um well the, even that first project i worked on the glove the n64 and playstation controller
0: we yeah. literally had a segment on abc world news tonight it was in the can we had done mm. the interview it was going to air at 5 30 that night and yeah. we all and we gathered in the conference room to watch it because i mean that was huge to get abc yeah, world, yeah, news world News broadcast about a controller that really is targeted towards you know parents and more casual players and mm-hmm. septuplets were born, and <laughs> they ended up bumping the segment
1: to cover the septuplets that were born.
0: So Even when <laughs> everything is lined up and perfect, it can still right. fall through.
1: <laughs> right, you never know. Uh, damn those kids! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's funny. It, wasn't there like a Fred Savage movie, or am I? Wasn't there a movie? There with was. Glove? So there actually okay.
0: was, there were two products, right? There was the Nintendo Power Glove, and uh, okay. that was sort of like a full hand glove. And this one was more like a bowling wrist strap thing that had the buttons on the outside. Who knows? Maybe if that ABC World News Tonight clip would have come through, (laughs) it would be bigger.
1: It would be everyone would have one.
0: Version 19. (laughs) Right.
1: (laughs) That's funny. So you've worked on a lot of projects. Like what's one or two of your favorite projects you've worked on over your career? Hey, hope you're enjoying the show. If you are, please go to patreon.com backslash game dev advice. We'd love to see if you can support the show and help uh, new episodes keep coming out. That's patreon.com backslash game dev advice. Thanks.
0: Uh yeah, I mean I have worked on a lot of projects. And I was saying earlier that Nintendo was a really great experience because yeah. they were willing to say yes to a lot of things. And so a lot of times what happens is we'll come up with brainstorms and, oh, this would be cool. This would be cool. And then you bring it to the client and they're like, yeah, we're not going to pay for that. But Nintendo was up for trying some crazy stuff. And one of the coolest things we did was...
1: I I wouldn't expect that from Nintendo, right? You always consider them more conservative and more, you know what I mean? Like more kind of buttoned down and like Sega is the crazy one and Nintendo being the more... Conservative one, but that's interesting. You know, that's very interesting to hear. Yeah, they were always
0: willing to like try some things, and we went. You know, there was the Pokemon tour uh, where they did the Beatles, like Pikachu, and then for Gold and Silver, we did <laughs> PT Cruisers, uh, and we actually went to Fort Knox, and that was a really cool experience to be able to do an event at Fort Knox. And you know, they Fort said Knox? yes to it. Yeah, because huh? it was Pokemon Gold and Silver, and it was the we we're pulling the games out of the vault, and they were totally up for doing stuff like that and trying to get the TV uh, huh. coverage, and we would do B roll. Uh, But there was a game called Pikmin. Everyone knows Pikmin. Yeah, Uh, yeah. And we said, we should get a real-life flower named after Pikmin. And so they were like, all right, if you guys can do it, we'll get it done. And so we researched flower growers, and we found one (laughs) down here in San Diego. I lived in LA at the time, and I remember coming down to San Diego, picking out the flower. And I mean, it looked just like the Pikmin flower. And they're like, yeah, sure. If you give us some money, you, we'll call ourselves the Pikmin Flower. <laughs> and Nintendo's like, done deal. And we got like, you know, those little tags that go in all the flowers, uh, yeah, that like identify the plant. And they right. Nintendo made one in their graphics department that had the Pikmin guys on it. Uh, <laughs> and so then we sent that out all to the media and stuff. And that was the kind of stuff that was really fun to work on.
1: Sounds very interesting. Yeah, for sure.
0: Midway, we did a lot of really good events, and I mean, and the trick with events is you know, you're getting a lot of people to one place, making it easy and you can, and cycle people through. So, you know, to some extent, this could be something good for developers to know if they can get to an event. And even if now that's a lot more tricky, but you can do virtual events, But just hosting something that if you can get people to come through it, you don't have to go through all the rigmarole of setting up a demo each time. You're kind of there and you can get people to cycle through.
1: Yeah. I remember we did a few. We did a House of Blues one in in L.A. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was that one. And there was a House of Blues in Chicago. And then I was on the Mortal Kombat side, but I know Ballers did a lot of... um, Ballers did a lot, things. and yeah. then there was
0: one in Las Vegas, and I actually missed it with the birth of my oh, first yeah. child. So I, so yeah. I was, it was he was born that day. Our first kid was born the day of that Gamer's oh, day wow. in Las Vegas.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that one. Yeah, I've got some pictures. Yeah, that was. A fun one. <laughs> <laughs> it was a late night. Yeah, like, yeah I can imagine it was
0: late for us, but for different reasons.
1: Yeah, yeah, and right, then our yeah, second yeah, kid,
0: just I mean. You can cut this out if you want to, but our second kid was born midway filed for bankruptcy on February 12th, 2009. (laughs) And our second kid was born on February 13th, 2009. (laughs) Damn. So I'll always remember those dates.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Right. What do you, Rain Man? How do you remember these dates? Well, my kids were born for these things. okay. All right. That makes sense (laughs) now. Yeah. Yeah. So what are you curious about the industry right now? Just, um, you know, from a PR side, from a gaming side, like.
0: Well, there's a big evolution towards video content and influencers and quote unquote influencers or streamers or casters or whatever you want to call them. Yeah. And it's it's really kind of empowered more people to follow their passion and talk about video games or play them and try to get people to follow them or, or listen to them that it's yeah. really scattered. When it When I started, you know, it was pretty focused. So you had the six or seven magazines, and if it was a PC game, there were like three or four other magazines that you could go after. And it was, yeah. it, there were a lot, but it was still focused. And then websites came along, and there was a lot of kind of feeling out of, you know, who was legit and who wasn't legit. Yeah. And then now just as video has exploded and influencers just keeping track of all that. And it's, it, it's really, it, it's an opportunity but I think mm-hmm. the threat is that it's gonna just get so diluted, you know, everyone's broadcasting to a super small audience, and it's hard to kind of find the central folks yeah. that everyone are going to. It, or they just change so quickly. Mm-hmm. Another thing that I've that I know you've seen this and you've had the experience working on AAA projects is you know, the expectations and the budgets for these AAA games and even the, the public's yeah. and the public's thirst for those games over giving indie games a try. It's really mm-hmm. dangerous for the industry to get so top heavy and put mm-hmm. companies to put all their eggs in these baskets that, yeah. you know, for a variety of reasons may not work out. And it's really hard for smaller games to get the support or attention that they need and deserve.
1: Yeah. Cause yeah, those big games come out and they're top of mind and they're they're so big and deep now that it just takes takes over for like a month and no one's playing anything else or Right, you know, maybe you know what I mean. It, it's like, yeah, there's other games being played, but it, it's just kind of like that's that's the game, that's the thing that everybody's playing, and um, yeah, right, I, like, like when I silly Go-
0: the the unnamed goose game came out, right, the uh, right, and that wasn't necessarily a AAA game, but it captured everyone and and fantastic for them, uh, mm-hmm. but like everyone, there's sort of this herd mentality of like, what should we be playing right now? And it almost feels weird for people to play older games. I, mean, I know people are catching up during this outbreak, but you know, yeah. people only want to focus on what's new and what's happening right now when games themselves have a pretty
1: long shelf life. You see that a lot with like Animal Crossing and stuff like that right now. Like everybody's talking about that, and I mm-hmm. see on Twitter like my turnips, my turnips. I bought my house, I sold my turnips, my turnips. You know, so <laughs> exactly, it's all everyone's talking about. I'm like
0: right. right, and who knows? And in two months, it's going to be something else.
1: Yeah, so it's like how, how do you stand out there? And yeah, the whole I don't know, not to date myself, but the the whole streamer influencer, all that kind of stuff. Um, I I don't have good ideas about that. I'm, I'm not even. I, I see it's being powerful, but then you see a lot of, like, it seems like a lot of wannabes out there and it's just yeah. like, like, like who's real and, and who's just like a poser trying to get money. You know, it's just like, there's a lot of noise there. So I, I think if you pair up or try to work with those people, you need advice and you need to know who's, who's legit and who's not just uh
0: And I think there's a lot of noise at all levels of it. I think there's noise for, you know, who's legit. I think there's noise from agencies or people that, can represent those streamers. There's noise mm-hmm. from people who could tell you that they've got the relationships with all the right streamers or all the right agencies uh, for the streamers. Um, yeah. there, there's, It's, you know, it's a cliche, but it's, it really is still sort of the wild, wild West and kind of all rules and ethics, which were just sort of getting dialed in again with websites have been off when it comes to streamers and you know, mm-hmm. people take good money. And I know there's rules and regulations about disclosing if you get products for free and things, but, Certainly, right. you know. I know not everyone adheres to those.
1: Yeah, too, and and it's it's weird because you hear somebody start trashing a game, and then all of a sudden that has a huge following, and then um, for the streamer, and then that game just falls off the charts, and it's like it's like whoa, you yeah. know that that streamer has that to, to quote Cartman authority to um, <laughs> you know just destroy a game, and it's like, and then you start going because another company paid them or they just didn't decide not to like it because it's right. an update or, you know, it's just, it, it gets oh, weird.
0: We know. had a game recently and they, and they, the streamer really took umbrage with the way that the embargo guide was written that, uh, you know, it's a pretty, it's a pretty common thing. And, and maybe people yeah. don't realize that and I can explain that a little bit, but to sort of get influencers and media to agree to not release information to a certain time, uh, either it's a news thing, or the game's coming out. Like when the review is going to post. I mean, that might be PR one-on-one, and a lot of people know it. But just to explain the embargo, uh, right. and so a streamer thought he agreed to a certain thing in an embargo, but he saw somebody else post something that he thought went against the embargo, and then he, uh-huh. in his in his game through pl- uh, playthrough, yeah, was totally going off on well, you know, the marketing department like, shouldn't have done that and you know just a lot of vitriol that really wasn't even properly directed but it's just Ooh. like that something can set him off and mm-hmm. we sort of managed it and i think that he saw that it was taken care of pretty quickly then and, and yep. there was a misunderstanding but that video is still out there of him saying these negative things
1: yeah and yeah i I'd, I'd be willing to bet some of these are the most mature well functioning right. humans out there and there and there's uh, ego I'm sure involved, there's some sure. are that are but yeah uh, other ones are very ego and they're all driven by you know followers and likes and uh it, it's yeah it's just um
0: you it's know. a really hard thing to
1: navigate it's and it's, it's a yeah. lot of people are trying to figure it out still yeah. I, yeah I totally agree with that so what about opportunities like what do you see that's on the horizon that's new and cool and ways um i don't know to help people get spread the word about a game or like things that you're excited about the industry as far as opportunities
0: for the industry go I kind of want to say the streamers and the video. I think it's it's actually is really helping a lot of people reach <laughs> new audiences. Uh, the problem is there's just so many out there in so many places that it can go wrong. I do yeah. think to some extent this uh, this pandemic right now that everyone being staying at home. I know in our circles we have three boys. We have a 13 year old, an 11 year old, and an 8 year old, and. Okay. There's a lot of parents with a lot of different ideas about what's okay with screen time. And I think Mm -hmm. that through this COVID-19, they've seen that, you know, video games can serve kind of an interesting purpose that they maybe wouldn't have had their eyes open to. And one of them is the online connectivity. And our Mm. kids are staying in touch with their friends by playing Fortnite, by playing Roblox, by playing Minecraft. Yeah. They, that's how they are able to stay connected and they don't necessarily feel like they need playdates or whatever because they get them every day. They get to hang mm-hmm. out with their friends online and just kind of mess around.
1: Yeah, and play together and, and talk. And um, I see my son's are older, but I see that too. And you're right, that, that is you know, opening eyes to some parents that are just like, oh, it's a waste of time. Why are you doing that? Yeah, your brain's gonna rot, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But it's yeah. the way that they can connect with their friends and, and have yeah, fun to spend yeah. time in a safe environment, especially those kinds of games, right?
0: Totally, and those parents are organizing weekly happy hours with their friends because they want contact, even if it's on a screen. Um, right. And, and kids are getting that. And I think that there's gonna be some different opinions of video games coming out of this. And I do think that there is an opportunity even more with the connectedness of games, uh, we mm-hmm. we ended up playing a Jackbox game uh, with our family from around the country, and you know those games yeah. are designed to be played by multiple people, and I think mm-hmm. there are opportunities there
1: for games that are going to bring people together. Yeah, no, you know it, it, the Jackbox games are a lot of fun too because um, the low barrier of entry and it's fun, and there's some some good questions, and it's a good way to interact instead of just um, having the video on and just staring at each other and like what'd you do today? Yeah. Uh, I made bread, okay. Uh, <laughs> right, you know. let me tell you about my sourdough starter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it's this part of this, oh, shut up, give me another drink. But uh, yeah, it, <laughs> it, it is a way to connect beyond just that novelty of multiple people on a screen, especially for people that are used to using Zoom every day. Totally. And stuff like that. What about AR and VR? Do you have any thoughts around that, for, around just?
0: It's really, really interesting. We worked on Moss with PolyArch and that was a game that was pretty early in the life cycle of VR when a lot of people were still really excited about it. Uh, yeah. and, and and for anyone that hasn't played it, if you do have a VR headset, I highly recommend checking out Moss. and it's not just because we worked on it. I mean, it's legitimately a really immersive experience. The best way yeah. I can describe it, it's like you're in a diorama uh, and hmm. it's just all around you and you make this connection with Quill. Uh, it's the kind of game that you know I couldn't wait for my wife to play. If that makes any sense, right? Like it's not yeah, the yeah. yeah. The reviews have been amazing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like the accolades I've seen um, before. I talked with Rick, the, the the lead animator. I was just like, wow, this game has got a lot of great response. So yeah, that's great.
0: The idea is that VR can offer an escape, but it, you really have to develop for the platform, and mm. it's just the the thing that I'm not sure that VR will ever be able to overcome. Is just it's daffy. It's, it's weird to yeah. isolate yourself. I mean, it's the opposite of what we're talking about with kids being connected to others. For the most part, you put on that headset, you're completely isolating yourself from the real world and from others. And you're entering that world and you, and you need to get in a spot where you feel really safe. You're really yeah. vulnerable to other people just standing, putting on that headset. If at all, you're in any sort of group, someone's probably going to make fun of you. Um, right know, video. Like, yeah oh, look at this guy yeah 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 exactly i mean and they even did that with palmer lucky on the cover of newsweek or ah. whatever they sort of yeah. and so there's just it does have a lot of hurdles but there was actually mm. this past weekend an interesting article from todd martins in the la times um where he said he was a skeptic before but it's been really a great way for him to visit other places and he's really valued having a vr headset during this whole pandemic Uh, Mm -hmm. so to some extent, you know, this is VR's time to shine. If you have a headset, you probably already thought it. The problem is it's hard for people to get
1: their hands on one now. There's always that barrier of entry too, with, especially at least with, with the Vive and and the high end computer and all that kind of stuff. Now the quest is kind of taking steps towards eliminating that. But That's it's still
0: an, a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's still 400 bucks for like a standalone thing. Um, there are ex- things now too, that are getting more, not just singular one person experiences, like uh, community type games. Um, a friend of mine was on the show that has a, a VR, uh, a group VR thing for uh, meditation, right? Where, where there's That's a question awesome awesome. answer session. And you can kind of experience that without having to travel to that uh, location to do it. So there are, there are these other outlets and and options Um the space it's just it's really um, cool yeah
0: i think that there's an opportunity there potentially for when they do redo sports if they broadcast sports in vr and that was mm-hmm. the way to watch it i mean oh I think yeah it right. would be all over that and it's a, yeah ho- hopefully people are working on things like that
1: yeah the, the, the trick now it sounds like gonna hear on that side is the the frame rate right um mm-hmm. you know because sports moves so fast and and you have to have that really really high frame rate in vr because otherwise yeah, you get nauseous and want to hurl. So it's it's more of a technical barrier now, but th- that's just a matter of time, right? So the, that gets figured out. And then, yeah, someone for whatever else. It's worth,
0: for yeah. Whatever it's worth. Whatever it's worth. You on the Mortal Kombat team were the first people I heard banging the table for frame rate. Like it had to be 60 frames <laughs> per second, and it was non-negotiable.
1: Yeah. That, that's that thing. It's yeah. And, and it, it makes a difference for feel on a regular game, but yeah. Um, when you got the goggles on, it makes a huge difference the people, especially those who have a tendency to get motion sick, the frame rate will just make you want to yak. So, um, that's super important. Yeah. And then there's also, um, uh, movie stuff. Like I, I thought I saw South by Southwest is having some kind of, um, uh, partial release that's in VR or something like that. So there's, yeah, all these other outlets, um, Besides, just kind of traditional single-player yeah. type. I hope game. that it.
0: I hope that it can take root. I think it's really it's another platform for people to do, to make experiences for differently, and I hope mm-hmm. that it's able to get the critical mass that it needs to survive.
1: Okay, so what's a funny or odd story from working in the industry that you'd like to share?
0: So back when we were at Midway, uh, we worked on we made these games for TNA wrestling, and oh yeah, this sure. and this was probably what two thousand. Five two 2006 mm-hmm. and we did an event actually it was gone for like two weeks on this like we did an event for tna wrestling and then i had to go to new orleans because ballers was sponsoring the nba all-star game and mm-hmm. we were hosting a suite for like all three nights of the festivities and you know we had a ton of media coming in and bill barnwell who's now like a huge nfl writer for espn he was working for ign at the time and you know we huh. just had a lot of a lot of different people there and my wife and i had i think probably been married for like a year. So this is probably 2005. As you could imagine, going to something like that and with the editors and I'm the PR guy and go out to dinner mm-hmm. and I got to be around to pay the tab. Or if we go to the bar afterwards, I got to pay the tab. And it can lead yeah, to yeah. some late nights, right? I mean, the relationships Definitely. and the smoothing. Uh, and yep. so I remember having a pretty serious conversation with my wife just to really try to explain to her that I'm, I promise this is part of my job. I've got to be up till two in the morning. <laughs> and, <Right. laughs> and I think that she finally, to some extent, understood it, but it's also, I probably, to some extent, didn't necessarily have to be out till two.
1: I maybe could have left a little earlier and handled the tab differently. Yeah, you're, you're, you're taking one for the team, right? You, <laughs> right. <laughs> you see it through. And yeah, and, and those things are always fun, but it, it wasn't like it was every week, right? It, that was oh, like yeah. a big event that months of planning went into, so... Exactly. uh, And for the
0: developers, like it's the culmination of years of work, like, you know, the product cycles, by the time you're in the PR part of the cycle or going to events, you're in the home stretch. I mean, yeah. there's still crunch, of course, but there's been a lot of work that's led up to that.
1: I, I always used to find them uh, a nice break because be like, oh, I get to go out and get some fresh air and hang <laughs> out and drink in an open tab and have some fun here before I go back and finish the game. So, yeah, there's exactly. always kind of a, you know, there's a little stress with that uh, to a certain degree because you're on camera or doing for print press or websites or radio. but. At the same time, too, it was kind of like a nice escape uh, during the development cycle. Yeah,
0: which, by the way, is another uh, reason for companies to do events because you sort of you know get to be in a little bit of a different world when
1: your game's in the home stretch. In terms of games you're playing right now, sounds like you're really busy. You've got three kids. Do you have any time to play any games, or or you just kind of watch them and kind of see what they're up to? What are you excited yeah. about?
0: Keep an eye on them. They play Fortnite. They play Roblox. They play Minecraft. Uh, I think they would like it if I played Fortnite with them more. There was a while where I played Minecraft with them. For Mm -hmm. for the most part, I'm able to play Clash Royale. I still play. I still make it to the clan wars and do my battles and kind of keep everything uh, up to date. It's it's nice because I know it's going to take four or five minutes for me to play. For me to check in, I can get Mm -hmm. in and out if I need to. You know, these small digestible moments yeah. that I know that I can get for an escape. I I'm not in a spot right now where I can sit down for two, three hours and just play a game,
1: right. just not going to happen. Yeah. It. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's not like I'm going to order me some pizza and get <laughs> some beer. And I got four hours here to burn. Yeah, uh, That's not, not in the cards. So no. And, and that's the power of mobile, right? It gives you those five minute hits and the, those little increments where you can kind of do something with, um, that's fun. And it's, uh, a, a little, a little escape that doesn't require that level of commitment of uh, huge time investment and all that kind of stuff. Okay. Is there anything um, I should have asked you about, but didn't,
0: I do think we covered a lot of areas. Uh, I certainly yeah. hosted a podcast myself in part of the, the journey. And I think I was probably working at Wanakot at the time, um, but also hosting mm-hmm. a podcast for parents. And definitely I know all the work that goes into this, and you know, having had that editorial site, you know, I did it because yep. I really wanted to do it. And there, like I said, there wasn't money in it—not enough for me. And so, I mm. do think that that perspective uh, has really helped as I've gone back into PR of really understanding that people that are writing about or hosting podcasts or even mm. creating the video content—they're ultimately doing it because they love some aspect of video games. Uh, whether yep. it's playing them, whether it's making, whether it's talking about it. And sort of, I think, recognizing that has, and I always was, was pretty open to, you know, anyone with a website that wanted the game. Mm-hmm. Philosophy has always been, if somebody is interested enough to write about it, We need to support them, even if they're really small. And there's a lot of developers or, you know, bigger publishers that might set a limit on who can games get sent to or things like that. But Mm -hmm. I do think it's important for PR people to really be able to have an open mind to people that are requesting games. And if someone's really passionate and they have a small following, it's still, in my opinion, totally worth supporting them and because they're doing it because they love it.
1: Yeah. And, um, you know, like you'd mentioned, the guy that was, you know, with IGN that's now at ESPN, right? It, you know, it's it's smart yeah. to support those people, and you never know where they're going to be three, five, ten years from now, and and then um, they'll think back to you and how you helped support them and gave them access to the game and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, and
0: to anyone starting out, there's no reason to treat anyone with anything less than total respect, whether you right. think you'll ever run into them again or not. Uh, but as, mm-hmm. as listening to this podcast or or just really even talking to anyone, the industry seems big, but it's small and yep. someone that you do business with now, even if it doesn't work out, you're probably going to cross paths with them again. Uh, yeah, and so sure. it is completely behooves you to always stay positive, support everyone, however we can. And just remember that we're all kind of in this together.
1: Yeah. And I've kind of rallied about this before too. we um, you know, your reputation is important and and your character and what kind of person you are and what you say and do, because the industry is small. It's a lot smaller than people think. And that, um, you know, you build a reputation and um, whether it's good or bad, um, you could then be working or not working based on that. Right. So, you (laughs) know, those kind of things have an impact. So it's like, just do the, do the right thing and treat everybody with respect and, you know, good things will happen. So that's that's kind of my rant. Well, cool. Um, And I'll put this in the show notes, but like. You know where can people find you online? You know, website, Twitter, uh, things like that. Like sure. and so
0: you know, I have a personal Twitter, it's not necessarily just all about video games. Um, uh-huh. and so my name's John R Real. So it's my first name, last name at John R Real mm-hmm. on Twitter. Uh for professional re- purposes, we have we have a website, wanacoppr uh.com. And if anyone wanted to ever or ask any questions about PR, they could email hello at wanicotpr.com. Uh, okay. Certainly you could message me on Twitter as well. And then mm-hmm. just if anyone likes trucker hats, that's my hobby. I make trucker hats on the side. So you can go to John or hats, <laughs> you can go to John or hats.com. And I do trucker hats too. you
1: know, really good. I yeah, had no idea it, about that. That's it's cool. a fun
0: way to, yeah, it's a good creative outlet where I can test out some artistic stuff and make things. And, so you make you know, the logos and stuff? or, or, oh, or like, Yeah, totally. Uh, I help people with logos and stuff like that and make hats. And I've got these really comfortable hats that I wear. And, you know, it's good to have a, an outlet outside of work that kind of gets my creative juices flowing. And I think it helps me focus on work market.
1: Well, cool. Well, thank you, John. I think it's been great. Uh, really appreciate having you on and uh, sharing your experience on the PR side. You've, you've had a hell of a career and with more career left in you. So, yeah, thank you. And uh, we'll have all the links in the show notes there.
0: Thanks. It's been great catching up and hopefully this was helpful to someone. And like I said, if anyone has questions about PR, always happy to provide answers or talk about it. So just get in touch.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of Game Dev Advice, the Game Developers Podcast. Go to the website at gamedevadvice.com and you can find the show notes along with show notes for all the other episodes. Please also check out the new Patreon page at patreon.com backslash game dev advice have a lot of options up there for how you can support the show again that's patreon.com backslash game dev advice thanks again for listening and being part of the show take care bye-bye